Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the garden. Hello, I'm your host, Misty Little, and last episode I talked about a more seasonable, mild winter. Well, we're going to swing back around like normal and get a little punch and a cold front this weekend. And by weekend, I'm recording this ahead of time when this episode is going to air. So by the time this episode airs, it's already going to be passed. I'm already going to have the cold weather and everything's going to be said and done. But currently it's in the 70s and it's warm and it's perfect weather for me. And I'm not ready to go back to cold, chilling weather again. I'm I'm not, I'm not good with this, y'all. So it is what it is. And that's life. In my realm of gardening, all of my tomatoes are up. And I've thinned all the seedlings and repotted them. So hopefully they will start thickening up and putting on true leaves and getting going so that they can get out into the edible garden here in about six weeks. So last episode, we were in Ireland, but we're going to come back to the U.S. this time and go to somewhere much warmer, much more subtropical-ish, and that's Florida. And I'm honestly surprised I haven't had anybody on the podcast from Florida because of my experience living there and how much I do love that state. But I, this time I brought on, I guess you could call her a friend of mine. Um, someone I've kind of gotten to know online in the last several years. Her name is Danielle Rose and online she goes by Suwannee Rose. And as she explains, the Suwannee is a river in uh, North Florida. There is a song about the river. You may have heard it before. And this episode, we talk about how Danielle mixes a lot of Southern heritage and her Florida heritage into a tropical gardening climate. So we talk about things like collard greens and mangoes and mixing those things together. We talk about uh, native orchids and just like how difficult gardening in Florida actually can be, even though there's this this period of uh, warm weather almost all year, just how is- how many issues can crop up in regards to disease or hurricanes or, you know, just dealing with opposite seasons and, and things like that. So it was kind of fun to talk to somebody who also had the experiences of growing in Florida like I have and be able to share some of our shared knowledge, I would guess I could say that. It was a great conversation and you're probably gonna be tempted to go to Florida to grow some mangoes yourself or maybe you're gonna be tempted to just hey try collard greens next year. As always you can find me at thegardenpathpodcast.com. You can drop me an email at thegardenpathpodcast at gmail.com and don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter which you can find on the podcast website and if you have a chance leave a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher. It's always greatly appreciated. I'm also on Instagram at thegardenpathpodcast. Okay, now let's go get warm in paradise. Okay, everything's everything's good. Awesome. So how are you? Great. How about you? <laughs> good. It's actually really nice. It's, uh, I don't know, going to be in the 70s or maybe just about 70 today. Yeah. So good. Very cool. Not yeah, too cool. It's, it's very sunny out here today. We had a front come through and now it's clearing up. And so it's still a little bit crisp, which is nice. But yes, that means like seventies here. That's that's cold. My house is seventy degrees, which is cold. To me. Yeah. Well, that's what I was gonna say. It was like it's probably like feels good right now. There, it's good time. Yeah, it, you know when it's rain, we have those the fronts come through, and then it's rainy for a while, and then once it clears up and it's sunny, it's so nice. This is my favorite time of year for sure because you know no AC. 
and windows can be open and yeah, it's definitely nice. Well, um, yeah, so I guess we'll just, we'll get started um, and kind of go through everything that I sent you, but we can just chat along the way as well. So yeah, I have, I have lots of notes, but these notes are like over a month old. So <laughs> I was trying to review them. That's okay. Um, yeah, I'm actually surprised. I, I'm kind of ashamed of myself for not having someone else from Florida on this podcast so far. But um, I'm so first. Yes, you'll be my first Florida person. <laughs> so um, yeah, so if you want to introduce yourself um, and kind of where your garden is and maybe talk a little bit about the climate zone um, for, for people who aren't familiar with Florida. Okay, so um, I have a blog called Swanee Rose. My name is Danielle, by the way. So the Swanee Rose thing came about, I, I feel like I should explain my, my handle there, my strange name. Swanee is a river in Florida, the Swanee River, which is a famous song. And we also happen to live on a street called Swanee. And we named our boat Swanee. So we have this word Swanee that comes up all the time. And Rose is my last name. So I put it together because I feel like that is really an old Florida word. It evokes like an old Florida. And I just like that, you know, style. So and it just has a ring to it to me. So I named my blog Swanee Rose. I started the blog because I feel like um, everything out there is out of sync with Florida. We just have a weird climate, you know, very unusual. We are, we grow things, you know, the opposite of the rest of the country. So when other bloggers are writing about tomatoes, I have none. When I have tomatoes, no one else is writing about tomatoes. So <laughs> I figured I'd just fill this little niche that I found. And, um, and also it just was like a combination of hobbies that I enjoy. So, so I came up with this blog just for fun and, um, felt like it's almost a compulsion. Like I constantly want to write it because I feel like there's so many layers I can unpeel with Florida and, you know, it's just, it never ends. So anyway, I started, um, writing, you know, it's mostly about food, but then I try to make every recipe something that comes from my yard in some way. So that, that was, um, you know, part of my, my theme for the blog. And then for the, the gardening, we, my husband has this strange schedule. He works on ships and he's, he works two weeks on two weeks off. So he's on call for two weeks in Tampa and he works on Tampa Bay and he, you know, his schedule is completely unpredictable. So during that two weeks, we're very focused and, um, you know, just have a very, structured but simple life and you know none of our hobbies take place during that time when he's off work he wants to get out of tampa and we happen to have this little fishing shack on pine island so we that's about two and a half hours south of here and um it's on the water and we have a big yard there here it's very small um but pine island has like all our you know fun things we collect palm trees and mango trees and avocados and yeah, the gardening zone. So it's slightly warmer. That's zone 10 a Tampa is nine B. So it's a little bit warmer, very rare to have a freeze there. I mean, we, we saw one hard one, I think it was 2010 and that's about it. So, and a lot of the things did come back. So it wasn't super hard freeze. So we've got, um, you know, big yard. My husband is an avid plant collector. He loves palm trees and cycads and that sort of thing. And 
He loved that when I met him. So it's something that we've always bonded with. I do more of the vegetable and edible gardening. You know, the, the, I care a lot about the fruit and the veggies and he likes the, the bigger things that are attractive. He's, he's the real landscape guy. Yeah. More of the food girl. (laughs) (laughs) I could see that. I mean, yeah, Chris was definitely the more of the collector mentality get these orchids and yes. if, we, if we hadn't have been growing everything in containers when we lived in Florida, he would probably be the same way. Like let's collect palms. Let's collect these kind of trees. <laughs> so I had a brief stint in Florida. How long was it? Um, well, it wasn't that brief. It was eight years. It oh, was okay. 2002 to 2010. Um, but the whole time we never owned a, a place when we lived there. Um, Cause we were just out of college. So we were kind of poor for a while <laughs> and, you know, we didn't, get into a good situation. And then by the time we could have bought something, South Florida's housing market went crazy. So you were like, they were selling apartments as condos and it was just, you, we couldn't really buy. Um, yeah. And where so, were you? Um, well, we first, we lived in Melbourne uh, for the first two years. He went to Florida tech. And then, um, then we moved basically it was my Miami, like West Kendall, up to Pembroke Pines, Fort Lauderdale, and then Sunrise, where we stayed the longest. And uh, we rented a house, and that's kind of where the pot ghetto kind of went crazy. <laughs> we yeah. we had a house, we had room to expand, and we did, we ended up planting a few things. Um, we had a shaving brush tree that we ended up potting, um, taking out of the pot, putting it in the ground, and it's actually we could check Google Earth every now and then and um, Google Street View, and it's still there. It's still oh, those still, are so cool, and. Um, yeah, and then we had a, a shallow vine that we planted along a fence, and it once it finally reached like groundwater, it really took off. It did really great, and um, yeah, so we we planted a few things, but most everything was in pots, so we didn't really get to see how it how Florida growing could be. Yeah, and so between Melbourne and then Sunrise, you're in those are the two zones that I'm basically yeah. in would be the nine B is probably about Melbourne, I would think. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, way down you can grow anything down there. I mean, it's amazing. So you can see what a big difference it makes too within Florida. Yeah. You know, the, so we've got it's kind of divided by the rivers. Like every time you cross a river you're in another planting zone and mm-hmm. each one is like you get, you can add a few more cool things the further South you go to me, like the tropicals are really what I'm after. And yeah. So, and so you guys are into orchids too. Um, yeah. It, we were definitely were into orchids. We had a whole humongous collection of them um, in Florida. We had a vanilla orchid that it oh. never, it never bloomed for us, but it, the vine really took off and we kind of weaved it. Chris had rigged up a watering system on the top of our, um, the screen porch and it climbed up that. And I think if we had stayed there a few more years, it would have bloomed for us, but we just, it just never reached that maturity. Um, yeah. Orchids are crazy. And I thought we weren't going to do orchids again because, you know, we're nine a here, but we get freezes all the time. Um, but Chris kind of caved. And so now we have orchids again. (laughs) I love them. So that I've seen vanilla orchids that were so massive. They've covered people's patios and they've never bloomed. So I guess there's some special things you have to do. Probably. Yeah. But they're very cool even if they don't bloom. So yeah. Vanilla beans are so expensive, especially 
you know, I think around the holidays, wow, it'd be really nice not to buy them because there's so many things I'd like to put them in or make my own vanilla, but they're like $10 a bean. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, I, yeah. I just, I just read an article that said there is some sort of shortage or something. Um, oh, I know what it was. A cyclone wiped out a lot of the the growers in maybe Indonesia or somewhere that direction. Um, yeah. So that's why the vanilla beans are going sky high at the moment. Yeah. I was thinking this is more than I ever, I remember getting three for that price before and now it's so expensive. So yeah, I mean, you know, it'd, it'd be fun, but I don't know why I've never gotten into the vanilla, I guess because I'm intimidated because I don't know where I'll put it because it's going to take over. So I need to work on that, but yeah, they're very cool. And they've got such a thick, cool leaf structure for the mm-hmm. vine. I love it. Yeah. Have you, have you gone to Fakahatchee to see any or, or Everglades or Big Cypress to go see them actually blooming down there? Yeah. Um, actually the, the place I love is Corkscrew Swamp. Did oh you know yeah. Mm-hmm. Sanctuary there. So they have two super ghost orchids and, so I've gone there twice. I saw one that was a wilting flower. That was it. You look through these binoculars on the boardwalk paths through the swamp. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're, so you're, the binoculars are, or a telescope actually is, you know, kind of um, focused on these, you know, beautiful orchids up in this tree. But if they're not actually in bloom, you see absolutely nothing up there. So that's where they're ghost orchids. But then when they do bloom, these have multiple blooms. They're amazing. So I keep going there. I mean, over and over and over again, waiting to see the full bloom, but I haven't caught it yet. So (laughs) I see just a teeny, teeny bit, but yeah, that place is unbelievable. And just to think like when you're in this stand of cypress trees, how did anyone ever spot that? It's crazy. And how many are out there that are right above our heads and we don't know about it? Right. Well, um, I'm going to have Chris on eventually because he went looking for ghost orchids in a swamp. He had a tip for it and he ended up finding a different slew with hundreds of ghost orchids. So, um, yeah, and it was was, nobody knew about it. And so it was a total stumble upon. We, We told the right people and they know about it. And all of that. Um, very, and cool. it's a very like tight lip secret kind of place, but I'm going to have Chris talk, come on and talk about it because it's the same situation. Like, you know, we'd been to Corkscrew a million times and you, you look up and you're like, how did nobody see this? It's right. Not, it's not that far from the boardwalk. Yeah. But it, there's just so it's so high and it's, there's so much up there, but it's true. Like, you know, when you think about it, all the birders out there with their binoculars would be one way. And then I had my camera, which doesn't have a great telescope. I never could have gotten a good picture of it, but I was going to try. But yeah, you see people out there with the huge, huge lenses and yeah, so they're probably going to find more, but oh, I, I love that place. It's so beautiful. And we like to take um, the roads through the Everglades to get to the Keys. And we always have our cat with us, which is kind of weird, um, but he travels with us. So we can't stop for that long, but we do like to, you know, take our time and do a little. And my husband's never not looking for orchids. He's totally obsessed, too. That's his his favorite pastime. I'm looking for panthers. He's looking for orchids. <laughs> well, if you ever, if you want to see panthers, I mean, I mean, the best luck and most people will come across it on, if you drive Jane Scenic Drive through Fakahatchee, um, early mornings or late evenings is when I've seen most people 
see them. So yeah. that would be your best bet. <laughs> we we saw one one time cross our paths on a dirt road out. You know, we were camping in the swampy area, and yeah, it's I was eating an apple, looking out one window, and he he didn't even know what to say. He was so excited. So he just made a noise. <laughs> I looked and I could just see a tail, but it, he saw the whole thing cross right in front of him. I was so mad I didn't see more, but yeah, that's my only panther sighting, and I have sure looked. But yeah, the, and you know, they when you go through the Everglades, they always have the signs for panther crossing. Mm-hmm. So I get so excited, but yeah, I think it's very rare. But alligators and crocodiles, you can see those. Oh yeah, just a dime a dozen. <laughs> Exactly. Not that exciting for other people. I'm sure it would be, but yeah, it's just like, there's another one. There's another one. <laughs> well, when, when tourist season happens, I've seen people just stop on the middle of Tamiami trail. Like they don't even pull over to the shoulder. They just stop. And then you see them at the canal looking at alligators and they're just like, come on guys. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. Go pull over, get your film. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, so yeah, you're a native Floridian. Is your husband too? No, he's from Massachusetts. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, that's right. Because you guys are always going up that way. I, that yeah, makes that's what brings us up that way. So my family, I'm seventh generation um, from East Coast of Florida. And I did have some family, um, uh, some relatives in Tampa. Um, you know, we're pretty much spread all over Florida. And anybody that's from Florida is probably related to me, it seems like. So um, when you go way back, you know, they the, all the pioneers are connected. So yeah, and my husband grew up in Massachusetts, but also took a lot of trips to visit family in Florida when he was young. And his grandparents lived here. So he really got into gardening at a young age because of that. So, and especially Florida gardening, he just likes tropical plants. And I think he knew one day he would get out of Massachusetts and have to do some, you know, have to live in a tropical life, you know, somewhere. Right. And what about you? Did you grow up gardening or was it something you did? Everybody in my family grows stuff. My great grandmother, um, she, was an amazing gardener and I grew up hanging out in her yard. She had um, lots of, uh, you know, beautiful flowers more than most of us. I think she had like a lot of old fashioned flowers and we have some that have come from her yard and, you know, those have kind of been passed along. And as I get older, I realize they make sense because they are the ones that make it through the tough times with, you know, sandy soil and, you know, cold weather or whatever they can just withstand. So um, I've kind of, you know, now I now I look back and think, oh, I got to, you know, work on making my yard more like hers was back then when I first started gardening. I wanted, you know, everything more modern and cool and, you know, do the latest thing. But now I realize how important it is to go the old fashioned route and um, so the, the other thing I think about with her yard is she had, um, a mulberry tree and that was, a, a the highlight of our year is the day that the mulberries were so perfectly ripe and we had to wear old clothes and climb the tree and pick every single one before the birds got them. And she would make this amazing mulberry cake and we would be covered, stained purple head to toe. And, you know, she wouldn't let us in the house. We just had to deliver the basket to her. And so she, she had, you know, she basically lived off the land there. Um, she was born where, you know, she 
actually, I think she only lived in that one spot her whole life. Oh, wow. And my grandma lives right next door to that. So still does. Wow. (laughs) They, They haven't moved much. So all that gardening is, you know, we go there. My grandma walks around the yard with us and gives us cuttings and plants and tells us all about where it originally came from. And yeah, it's pretty cool. So our yard is populated a lot with all these plants free plants, which is great. Awesome. Best kind. So yeah, so everybody likes gardening in my family, my mom too. She grows lots of fruits and vegetables and herbs and um, she likes a pretty yard too. So we've got a mix of flowers and edible in every yard in my family and we all are just into it. I don't know. It's just a compulsion, I guess. It's just fun. Yes, I I can relate. (laughs) Um, So I guess since you have two gardens and kind of the third that your parents' house in the Keys, but maybe let's talk about the house in Tampa first in your garden there. Like what's your primary f- focus? I mean, you do edibles, but also ornamental and you said it's smaller. So what kind of gets more room? It's um, this is a small lot and um, we, we leave here, you know, for two weeks of the month usually. So um, I've only got these um, small garden beds that are, I guess they're about six feet by three or four and they've just got very simple things like collards are, that's my number one thing I have to have. And then some herbs and um, I've got some tomatoes, but I don't get a lot of light here. There's a lot of oak trees in Tampa. So the, the, that tree canopy, the shade is nice, but it does, it's not the greatest for veggies. Um, and then the rest of the yard is super low maintenance. We don't have any grass. Um, you know, we try to be water wise. And um, so, yeah, it's it's all just like really almost kind of stark. There's nothing like no wild beds or anything. Everything is like structured and um, it's got irrigation, but like this micro drip irrigation my husband did and so, you know, we, we try to make it so that we don't have a lot of, we, we never want to have like a yard, somebody to have to come mow our grass or anything like that. And so, um, yeah, so he, he put together this plan and he executed it and it's awesome. So we can leave it and not worry about it and it needs nothing when we're gone. So that's wonderful. But yeah, that's because we learned our lesson with the other yard, which is. Like so much work, all these palm trees that need trimming. And, um, you know, we, we've tried to eliminate grass there too. Um, just because in Florida, grass needs too much water, too much fertilizer. And mm-hmm. it's bad for, you know, when it flows out into the waterways. So um, we've almost eliminated all of it there. We mostly have mulch beds and some um, rocks and areas, you know, gravel rock paths. And, um yeah, so he, you know, that's a bigger yard there. And we, we that's where we kind of like, you know, trial and error, we've kind of figured things out and a lot of things have evolved over the years and we realize what what we can manage. So we lately we've been trying to make things low maintenance, more low maintenance, but, um, you know, all these trees need trimming and, you know, we're not going to pay someone to do it. So he's out there in his time off trimming trees and, so yeah, we we have. I mean, we both enjoy it so much. I wish we had more time, though. Honestly, like to to work in both places more in the yard. It's it's such a a great hobby. And if um, we didn't have you know full time work, we would be 
out there doing it all the time. Right. Well, I was going to say, I mean, at least you get two weeks to go. I mean, see, it's like a, it's like a fish camp kind of set up. Um, that's going to be pretty nice though, to like to be feeling like you're away for that long and you can just, like you said, pour your passion into, to doing whatever you want to do around the yard. Um, yeah, course- <laughs> that just, I mean, we are so fortunate to be able to do that for sure. And, you know, it's, it's definitely nice and it's, um, it's all our hobbies. So, you know, Tampa is all focus. And then when we're in Pine Island, it's all about, you know, if we can get on the water and fish, that's number one and, you know, taking care of the yard and all that. It, it, it's so nice. I have to say, and it, it feels like real old Florida where Tampa is, you know, I know, you know, to a lot of people, it's not a big city, but to me, it's a big city and, yeah. you know, it feels more like city life. Yeah. I haven't spent a lot of time in Tampa, but, um, it's still, it's, I think there's areas of it that feel old Florida, but it's like, you know, other parts that have expanding it's so it's suburban too yeah and there's highways and traffic and all that where you know where we are in pine island my husband jokes he never leaves the fence i we have one um when dixie on the island and i get there you know i have to go to the store every once in a while but i i do leave the fence but he prefers not to the whole time he's off that's that's his goal so you know we have bikes and stuff and we just kind of stay around the neighborhood and it's very quiet, extremely quiet. There's only, you know, it's, it's mostly retirees in the neighborhood. Right. So, um, yeah, it's. Now, it's, did you guys own that when Hurricane Charlie came through or was that? Yes. That, so that was a huge, my husband and I had been together about six months when Hurricane Charlie came through and he, he bought that place um, as a young man, basically as a place to keep his boat while he was working on ships going all over the world. So, um, I guess it was 1997, he bought it and hurricane Charlie was, I think 2000, it was 2004, five. Yeah. 2004. And then we had more hurricanes the next year. That was a rough patch for sure. But that, you know, was we almost got a direct hit. It was a a really bad storm. And so that we, we had to get a new roof after that. Um, It tore up, you know, this and that of the house, but the house was already, Oh, we got new windows after that too. That was a a big thing, but that house was in such bad shape that it kind of was the impetus to make it a little bit better, more habitable is when I first went there. I really didn't think so. (laughs) So we, you know, did a very low budget fix up during the following year. And um, yeah, it, you know, it made it a lot better, but it also made us restructure the landscape. And it used to have this big circular driveway in front. And, you know, with all the work we were doing, we just tore that out and made more garden beds in the front. And, you know, it was, it was a good thing in the end, you know, for us, nothing was major, No, you know, no terrible damage and you know insurance came through so yeah yeah, it was it was not terrible good good yeah i I think it was just a little bit further south that it was the main hit through sanibel and captiva actually it was punta gorda for charlie okay that was a really small it was a, a very strong storm but it was tight and small so like you know irma that we just had that was like the most massive storm i'd ever seen but yeah, Hurricane Charlie was really tight and it was actually 
heading up toward Tampa Bay. And then it veered at the last minute and went, you know, further came in south and um, went through the um, Punta Gorda was the the direct hit. And it was really bad there, I have to say. So and we're just south of that. So oh, okay. Okay. There, I see. Yeah. So it, where it came in, um, I mean, the path was just destroyed through this one strip. It was crazy. But yeah, the rest was not too, too bad. Our neighborhood was pretty bad, but, um, you know, could have been worse. Right. Could have been worse. Um, we've seen a lot of hurricanes. That's for sure. <laughs> it's hard to keep them all straight. Now, was that, um, is this where you have all your mangoes too? And you yeah. have avocados as well. Yes. So we have, um, I think five varieties of mangoes and I think we have five avocado trees now too. And, um, my absolute favorite, I can never, I think I wrote it down cause I can never keep all the varieties straight. And every time I eat an avocado, I have to ask my husband, which one is which, but, um, yeah, we, we absolutely love the avocados because, you know, they're, that's like such a staple in our house anyway. So, but unfortunately when you have a tree, they all ripen like at the same time. <laughs> so um, let's see, we've got Brogdon, Wurtz, Daisy and Lula. And they're all kind of um, people think, Oh, the Florida avocados, those are the big watery ones. But there's really not even a variety called Florida. That's just like a, you know, general term. So these are actually, most of ours are richer and more similar to a Haas. Um, they're a little oilier and um, not the giant ones that are, you know, the watery ones that give Florida avocados a bad name. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't think those were that bad. And I would have neighbors who had avocado trees give some to us and, I always always liked them because they were big and you got a lot more for your for your uh for your fruit I guess. Absolutely. They, you know, the flavor can be a little different. They're fruitier to me too. Um but you know, you can make a whole big bowl of guacamole with one avocado, <laughs> so that's always nice. But yeah, we we've got a good mix of those and then my obsession is mangoes. I absolutely love mangoes and um, my husband, when he bought the place, um, had was lucky enough to have a tree in the backyard that was maybe we think it might be about fifty years old now. Oh, wow, nice! So this is a really big old tree, and it gives us hundreds and hundreds of mangoes every year. It's overwhelming. Like we're picking and loading them into a wheelbarrow and dealing with them, like begging people <laughs> to take them and. Um, asking for help, you know, like we freeze them, we dehydrate them, we do everything with these mangoes. And then, you know, and those are actually, it's the same, it's called a kit. Some people call it Keet. It's spelled Mm K-E-I-T-T. And it happens to be the same variety that my grandmother has and has had since I was growing up. So I absolutely love these. Um, But then we, since then we've planted some that are the the finer, what they call dessert mangoes. So they're small and you're supposed to just eat them out of hand because they're too delicate and perfect to you know do anything with, which is kind of true because if I, I have tried to dehydrate them and they, they just go away, there's yeah. nothing left afterwards. So there's no fiber in them and they're amazing. So we've got um, one called Glenn that's 
just a beautiful, perfect mango. Um, my neighbors have a tree that they share with us called Namdak Mai, a Thai variety that's really good. Um, and we've got Valencia Pride and ice cream is our latest mango. So um, they're really good little tiny mangoes that are super creamy and have a little bit of a vanilla flavor. So those are... And about how old are those trees? Are they... I mean, and when do they start producing fruit, I guess? Um, it's mostly throughout the summer we're getting mangoes. The The kit, we get those late summer, and the other ones are a little earlier. So we've got all our fancy mangoes at the beginning. The The fancy ones, the ice cream we just got, we traded a friend for that one. We gave her an avocado tree, and she gave us the ice cream mango because she didn't like them. She's crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, I agree. Uh, I know. So that one's new. The other one, the, the Glen is maybe, I'd say eight years old and it's a pretty big tree and we get quite a few from that. And then the Valencia pride is, it's a fast growing tree. It's um, massive already. And it's, those are, um, let's see what month I'd say July we're getting Valencia prides. And then the kit was more August and we even had some, up to October this oh, wow. year. So yeah, that one's really late. Some years it's extra late. So yeah, the, we've, we're just mangoed out by the end. And, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to share them with people too. It's kind of fun. Yeah, so um, I'd be your neighbor. I'll take them all. <laughs> yeah, I, I really give bags and I, I actually ship them all over the place. So you can be on my list next year for, for a care package of mangoes. You just tell me which variety you want. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite things. And I love I love it when they're on sale at the store because that's when I load up and then I'm always sad when the season goes away. But <laughs> now do you guys try anything else like lychees or more tropical things or is it just a little too We too can cool totally grow lychees. We should. But for some reason, we have killed two lychee trees. So we hmm. haven't figured out. Um, we, I don't know what happened. It may be that, you know, because we leave the place, it's not getting the care. But, you know, it's usually on a watering system. I, I don't know what happened. But, yeah, we, we had bad luck. But there's a fruit stand of Pine Island where our house is down there. Um, it's actually known for mangoes and lychees. That's, you know, what it's a very agricultural island. And lots of uh, palm farmers, mango growers, lychee growers. And so we can buy lychees at the fruit stands there. And um, we, we used to know a woman who had um, a little bit, a little lychee farm. And we'd go and she'd say, come pick because you're trimming my trees. So you take the lychees and, you know, get a big stock. So it helps trim our trees if we go pick. And she had tons. That was, but um yeah, we haven't been in touch with her in a while. But yeah, they're, I mean, I love lychees. They're just unbelievable. So sweet and so delicious. So we should, you know, we've got to try that again. That's definitely something we should have, but we can buy them. So right, right. It's not worth the hassle if it's readily available sometimes. I don't know. We And it just seems like that's one, you know, a lot of things we figure out eventually, but the lychee thing, yeah, we killed two nice trees. So what a shame. I don't know what happened. Yeah, it ha you know, it's just gardening. Yeah, trail and error. Yeah. 
So we get, um, we have lots of papayas, um, lots of pineapples, you know, those you just cut the top off, plant it, stick it in the ground. Yeah. So that's easy. Um, We've got a nice old Meyer lemon tree, Um, sapodilla. Some people Mm -hmm. say, yeah, those are great. And we've got a couple varieties of those Um, and kaffir lime, which you use. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Love those. And then, um, I do grow lots of ginger and turmeric, which um, I'm trying to learn to add the, I used to say turmeric. Now I realize there's an extra R in that word that I didn't know about. Yeah. I started saying that too in the last couple of years. I'm like, it's turmeric and everybody says turmeric, but it's turmeric. Yeah, I guess it is. So I'm trying to um, learn to use that, but, and I know it's really good for you, but um, I don't love the taste. I keep trying to add it to smoothies and stuff and it's overpowering and it stains everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, my fingers are orange and when I, you know, just broke it apart after I like pulled the roots up, I was like totally yellow and stained for so long under my nails and stuff. So I've got to, you know, figure this, this thing out because I know it's good for you. And I know a lot of my friends want it. So right. growing it and sharing it, but yeah, I got to find how I can use it. I've used the powder from like at the grocery store in um, like stir fries. And I mean, if I make curries or something like that. So it's more of a Asian or Indian kind of cuisine sort of thing, but I've never tried it in the whole golden milk thing that people do with the turmeric. I've never tried it that way. So I'm going to work on that for us. I'll, I'll see, but yeah, it's so far I haven't loved it. Yeah. yeah. And I'm thinking if it stains my fingers as bad, it's probably staining my teeth too. <laughs> <laughs> How do people do this? But yeah, that's um, one thing that I've, I've been trying to get into, but haven't been completely sold yet. So we'll see, but yeah, everything else, um, I, I think I listed it all. Oh, um, and one more is Jabotacaba. I don't know if you ever heard of that or remember it. Yes. I'm trying to think. I've never known how to pronounce it, but I'm now thinking about it. I can see the word in my head. So yes, I know what you're talking yeah. about. Well, um, there's lots of different ways to pronounce that too. And we want to say Jabotacaba because that you know would make sense for where it comes from. And But we never hear anyone else say that, so we don't know. Um, but it's such a cool plant because, um, one thing is it really likes a a flush of water and that's good for it, which is unusual. A lot of things don't like to get their feet wet. They want more drainage. So we were able to plant that in Tampa as a hedge and an area that gets like a lot of water flow and it's really cool fruit. Um, it makes a nice hedge, but then the fruit grows right on the branches and they're these big purple berries hmm. and they cover the branches and it looks so cool. So and they're almost black. They're like a deep, deep, deep purple and it makes the best jelly, like unbelievable jelly. So I think they're Brazilian. That's where you find them most, but that's definitely one of my all time favorite fruit. And if you have never seen them, Go on Pinterest and type in Jabotacaba, J-A-B-O-T-I-C-A-B-A. It is too cool. And I'll be posting more pictures of mine. They're, you know, younger, so you can't really get the full effect. But like the really old trees covered in fruit on all the branches is like such a sight. It's so cool. Awesome. Now with 
with all of your trees, um, other than pruning, what do you guys do for, I mean, is there any kind of pest management or fertilizing Uh, that you guys have to do? Feels like the pest management, um, we're never on top of that. We've always got pest issues. Um, and that's more my husband's department. He knows like, um, he just fertilized our orchids, um, and he's planning to do it one more time soon. Um, he's got his schedule. I don't really, that's, that's definitely not my department. He studies up on all that. Um, for the bugs, I feel like I, you know, it, it, there's always, it, we're constantly under siege. Our bugs never die off. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, field day all year long. It's perfect. You know, we, um, they, they just thrive. They love the heat and the humidity. So, um, I, my neighbor actually just called me last weekend and said, there's a tomato emergency. Your one tomato is totally done. She said she didn't catch it in time. One plant is like, you know, she said, I I just got tomatoes off of it last week. And then I came back over and, um, all the leaves are, you know, dead. And the other plant is, um, that's nearby is getting the same thing. So I don't know what's going on, but I'm prepared with my neem and dish soap is my, my first line of defense and BT, which, um, you know, I just have to see, she didn't know what was wrong. So I have to go there and figure out what, what's the, the problem with these tomato plants in just a few days. So, yeah. So, um, we, we try to do, you know, natural, lots of dish soap is, um, you know, dish soap and water. Um, sometimes, even just a hard spray with the hose can, you know, like yeah. physically take off whatever's going on. But yeah, we've, you know, ugh, it, it just never ends with the pests. <laughs> and sometimes you realize that that means that that plant needs to go. Yeah. So um, if it's just like, uh, you know, a disease prone plant, then it spreads to other plants. And so you realize, okay, well, that one's not for us. Move on. So yeah, just we're we're trying to figure out the plants that aren't susceptible to you know the bugs is it, that's our and natives are usually the way to go. So right. right. I want to go back to your passion for collard greens because it's not too many people who have a passion for collard greens. I like them, and I mean in the south you find people who love them, but definitely not in the uh, greater garden world is are people talking about collards so. Everyone loves kale. No one loves collards. They, it's, it's not fair. Collards are so much better to me. And I guess it's partly that that is one thing that I feel like everyone who lives in the South should be growing collards because it's so much food and it's no work. I mean, they they just, for me, I never have issues with my collards. They just grow, grow, grow. They get huge. And I, I eat them so much over the winter. I love it. And it provides like, a constant vegetable, which mm-hmm. is so cool. You know, you can just have green veggies all year or, you know, most of the year here, but yeah, I, I don't know. People just don't, <laughs> I'm trying. It's, it's my goal in life to make everybody love collards. So, and how do you usually cook them up? Um, I do like collards and beans, like a stewed in a pot. That's mm-hmm. the typical thing. Like, um, different be- beans to mix it up, you know, mm-hmm. change the flavors and disguise it as something else. But yeah, that's, that's my um, typical way. I, sometimes I make collard chips, just like kale mm-hmm. chips. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, I put it in like casserole kind of things. I, I'll eat it raw and do wraps with them. Um, you really, that, that's pretty hardcore. I haven't convinced a lot of people about the raw colored <laughs> wrap, but I put hummus on it, spread it, you know, put different fun things in there and roll it up. And, you know, if you put a lot of different rainbow crunchy veggies inside like carrots and stuff, it, I, I think it's really good. Um, let's see what uh, other collard recipes. Um, oh, and, um, I do like stuffed cabbage kind of thing, but you know, using collard. So, and that's always really good. Well, so, they're, they're so thick that they're very good for that wrapping kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. It's even better than yeah. lettuce, I think. And better than kale yeah. because kale's just too ruffly, <laughs> yes. you know, so that works in a lot of things, but, and I do eat them raw and salad too. I cut up collards and add it just because, you know, it's free veggie in my backyard. I should use it. So I try to mix it with anything pretty much. And um, I chop it up with eggs too. Just oh yeah, that'd be good. So yeah, we're, I, I'm a collard fanatic for sure. I think that's the one thing I really wish everyone liked more. And it just, I think it's going to get there. It just needs like the right ad campaign. <laughs> yeah, you know, Where did kale come from? You know? <laughs> Like the right, the right hashtag or something. Exactly. So it'll happen just like the avocado toast thing and all that. Collard's going to have its moment one of these days. Do you have a certain uh, variety you like to grow? Um, I usually do the Georgia style ones or Morris heading. Um, and then I have one called Ch- Tronchuda or something. It's a Portuguese one. Hmm. Um, and that one does really well too. So those are the three that I can think of that, um, I typically plant. Do you, what about your variety? Um, let's see, I'm trying this year. I'm doing the Morris heading for the first time. Usually we've done Georgia or champion. Um, but I did not get like seeds we had for the champion were on the older side. So I didn't really get any germination from that. Um, so then I went ahead and ordered the Morris cause I was like, Oh, let's try that. Um, so yeah, they're doing really great. I thinned them out. I've actually, I'm not probably going to have a lot of collards in like February, March through, <laughs> through May or June. So, nice. um, yeah, so I'm excited about that. Cause we, t- we like collards as well. Um, and mustard greens and oh, I all the it. greens. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, check. I'm sure I'm forgetting a ton of recipes. So check back on my blog because I definitely, well, if you've got tons of collards, I've got you covered for sure. Awesome. Good. Well, so when do you start, when do you start your greens? Do you start, sow them in the ground, like in September or do you do anything yeah. at lights? Um, later September, this year it was so hot and nothing, actually some things failed because I put them in too early. I got antsy. I knew it was too hot, but I just went for it. But um, it, it was like true summer weather still, you know, in high nineties and um, even October 1st. And usually by October 1st, you want to have everything in your, you know, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, this year it was still high nineties that week and we weren't getting the cyclical rain like we usually do either. So it was a little bit strange. So, um, I lost some things because I got antsy and put them in too early, but then I, you know, replaced them, but yeah, that's, that's usually when I start planting and I'm just getting to the point where I can pick a little bit of, you know, some collards, not a ton. You know, I, I can 
get by and then I'm getting some tomatoes now, or I thought I was, but apparently um, my plants are dying. <laughs> I don't, I can't do anything about it. Um, the ones behind the house here in Tampa, um, they've got some tiny fruit, the tomatoes, but that's it. And so, yeah, over the winter, just like, you know, it'll be by February, I will have tons of greens. I've got other, now I'm trying to think, I did some other greens too. Um, and radishes, I'm, yeah. I adore radishes. So yeah, I know. I Actually, I think I heard you and your mom in one of the episodes talking about the radishes. That, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as I was planting my own radishes, I was I had my earbuds in listening to you guys talk about radishes. It was so funny. So um, yeah, it was um, the I get excited about all the different types of radishes too. this this year I did um, some purple ones and you know, the long ones and mm-hmm. the white ones and the watermelon ones, which I, those I haven't had a lot of luck with, but I love them if I can get them. So we'll see. I think they need some cold, a little more cold than I get. Yeah. The radishes are pretty much what I'm swimming in at the moment. So oh. I've actually been eating a lot of radish greens, um, which I did start doing last year or maybe the year before, but this year, because it's like the only green that's really ready at the moment, I've been eating a lot more of it, which they're a little bit hairier. And so you yeah, have to kind of wash them or let them like the hairs fall off or something. And yeah, I haven't figured out the radish and mine don't, they're not very pretty. I don't, I think it might be our climate doesn't really, you know, they're, they're a little bit yellowed usually. Mine will do that sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And they do feel they, they have a little bit of a spike to the, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I know I should try that, but I haven't yet. So yeah, it, you definitely got to work yourself up to it. And like I said, it's actually, you, you wash them and I feel like if they sit in the fridge for a day or two, like the hairs either soften or I'm not sure if they fall off or how that works. But I notice if, if it sits for, like I said, a day or two, it'll, they taste better and it's less, less rough on your tongue. Okay. Well, I'll definitely give it a shot this year. Hopefully uh, those are okay. And um, carrots too are the other thing. That- yeah at the same time when I grow my radishes, I always throw in some carrots and I love, love, love a fresh carrot from the garden. I get so excited about that. So yeah, there are um, two things that I know would be better in a more Northern climate, but um, my wimpy little carrots taste very good. They don't get, very, you know, they're very skinny. And as soon as they get, you know, a little bit deep, they run into rocks and you know, it's not ideal, but I get a lot of funny shapes too. You can see where there was probably a stone right under. Right. But yeah. I think you kind of get the, almost the best of both worlds because you can get some Northern stuff in Tampa, but you get the tropicals and Pine Island. So I don't know. You get to have both. Yeah. I do feel very fortunate that I, and you know, I, I hope that I'm always so lucky to have best of both worlds we'll see but yeah right now it's um it's pretty fun it it keeps us busy too like you know going back and forth and keeping up with both but um yeah right now we're able to balance it so yeah it's fun definitely fun um i was gonna ask about your cooking are you do you have like a culinary background or is it just something you really enjoy doing I, I just, um, I absolutely love to cook because I like to eat. So that's, you know, pretty much it. But I, I definitely tagged along, um, in the kitchen with my grandma, my great grandmother and my mom. So 
So I, I mean, it's just something I always did and I, I can't imagine not doing it. I love it. So um, I don't make fancy stuff. That was one question you had to like, do I cook like this every night? Absolutely not. I, you know, make, um, I'm more of a, a short order cook while Toby's working because he's in and out at all hours and um, he eats like on chips sometimes and sometimes he doesn't. So I feel like I am mostly, um, I make eggs a lot yeah. <laughs> um, or I make a big pot of something and have it last for a while here. But then when we're off work, I get, we, um, we both like to cook. So we get way more elaborate. That's when we do a lot of grilling and frying and more than we should probably. Yeah. <laughs> That kind of thing. So yeah, and we we have fun with it, and I can take my time and do pictures and all that. So that all happens when he's not working, mostly. Right. And yeah, when he is, we definitely don't eat anything fancy. We we do eat a lot of fish, so we always you know catch fish and freeze it for you know in between times. So we try to eat fish as often as possible, but you know, fish, I have to be honest, it's not the easiest thing. Like, you know, for a quick meal, you kind of have a a plan. It has to thaw slowly and, you know, you gotta, um, it's more to clean up after. So yeah, it doesn't happen as often as I'd like, but that's, uh, you know, our typical eating plan is fancy when we're not working and quick and easy when we are. That makes sense. Yeah. It's like, I mean, Kind of like us, you know, during the week, it's like, okay, what can we make that's ready by six? But on the weekend, it's like, I think I'll make a wood-fired pizza or, you know, a grilled pizza or whatever. You have the time to do all of that. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. Do you guys have a pizza oven? Um, No, I I said wood-fired. I meant grilled. Um, Yeah. Yeah. No, we just, a few years ago, a blogger I follow, she was posting about grilled pizza. And then it kind of took off. And I told Chris about it. I was like, let's make grilled pizza. And it really is. It's much better than at least the recipe I have for uh, pizza in the oven versus on the grill is is way better. (laughs) It tastes so good. My mom actually got the setup that you put in a Weber grill and it's um, it kind of goes in between the lid and the grill and it's a ring, a metal ring, and it lets you slide the pizza in and it has a thermometer. So you know how hot I think it might have a stone in there too or something. So I'm not really sure. I have watched her do it a couple times and um, it's amazing pizza though, I have to say. And it's so much fun. Like that's such a great event in the backyard to make pizza rather than you standing in your kitchen, heating the oven to 500 degrees, you know, that's just not quite as much fun. No. Yeah. And it, yeah, that's usually when we make it is for, if we have guests coming, we make it for ourselves, but if we make it for guests and if it's nice out, we're hanging out in the backyard and you know, it's a little bit, I think the one recipe we have is a little more, more um, time crunch because you've got to, you get the pizza on the dough on, then you got to flip it. And then you really kind of have to have all your ingredients like ready to put on it immediately. So that way it can finish up and you don't burn the crust. So yeah. That's the good stuff though. Yes. <laughs> well, I think I could easily talk to you like all day and now I want to come visit you and like hang out <laughs> and I'm missing Florida a lot more now. So, um, but maybe you want to you know, tell us your blog again and where people can follow all your awesome adventures online. Oh, and your postcard project. Tell us about that. 
Oh yeah. So um, I'll just say my blog is Swanee Rose. Swanee is um, two ends. So that's um, one place you might lose me is <laughs> typing in one end instead in the address. So swanerose.com. And then this postcard project is um, called the Florida Postcard Project. That's mostly Instagram based. Um, you can find it on my blog, but I don't um, quite keep up with it. There's just a link that says postcards. Um, I add the postcards maybe once a month there, but it, these postcards were printed on a vintage letterpress and I made them to look like old postcards from Florida, but um, they just have a map of Florida. So everyone can add what they want and make it look like they're Florida instead of the funny old postcards that actually have nothing to do with Florida. Um, and it's so much fun. I just mail them out to people and see what I get back. And I post them on Instagram. I try to do one every single day. And so um, I still have some. If anybody wants one, you can just uh, go to Florida Postcards at Instagram. So at Florida Postcards. And it's just such a fun little project. I keep getting back these beautiful cards and it connects me with people. And I've tried to make sure I reached, you know, to the far corners of the state. So I'm getting lots of different perspectives and it's different forms of art, which is so cool. I've gotten, um, you know, some watercolors and, you know, beautiful colored pencils or um, collages. There's like all these different things that are coming back. And it's just such a, a fun thing to go. I have this little post office box. And every time I go there, I get so excited and I open it and get all these cool little things from all over the place. So yeah, that's, that's been a fun, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm not sure why I even decided to do that other than I always like to collect old postcards and it just came up and I thought oh, that that'd be such a fun thing to mail these out and see what comes back. So I worked with these girls at this um, place called Print St. Pete. Um, these girls have a vintage letterpress and they do community workshops. And I went to one and it just came about from there. So yeah, so it, it was super fun and um, it's still going. So if anyone wants to be a part of it, just um, you know, either go to my blog or find me on Instagram and ask me and I will send you a postcard and you can color it or do whatever you want and send it back. Awesome. Yeah. I need to send you mine and I'm going to try to try to have my son do the other one. Cause you sent me too. So I'm not sure he's actually gotten a lot better with his drawing lately, but he's still uh, just into coloring. So we'll see what well, he comes up with. <laughs> the ones are awesome so far. I don't know if you've seen any of them. I have seen a couple. Yeah. Oh, they're so much fun. And I, it, it seems like everyone I get, I can pick out, I see what they're you know, if you look close, oh, I see an oak tree in this one. And it's, it's just, it melts my heart. Some Sometimes those are even more authentic than, you know, the adult version. You know? Right. So, yeah, I love it. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. And I'm glad we got to connect and chat after the last couple of years of blogging following. So well, it's so nice to talk to you. Yes, yeah, very good to connect. <laughs>